Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Woodworking Podcast. I am joined, as usual, by my friend April Wilkerson. Hello, everyone. And Jay Bates. Hey, folks. Uh, just a quick announcement. Uh, I wanted to say a thanks to uh, Paige Bonifaci. I hope I got that name right, um, for uh, donating over on the website. And if you guys want to support the show, you can go over to thewoodworkingpodcast.com and uh, you can give a monetary donation and help support what we're doing. Um, and maybe one of these days we'll break even on <laughs> all the website costs and all that stuff. But anyways, that was my um, getting that out of the way. Going right into breaking news, is that what? Yeah, let's go straight into breaking news. Nick, what do you have going on in your shop? Um, I still have that TV lift cabinet, and I can just... Um, no. I'm glad there's no video to this, because Jay has a smirk on his face right now. Um, <laughs> but I'm just finishing that up, and um, the, the project itself has been done, but the recording is slower going than I thought. I was going to do something a little bit different with this one, and do a second video that I'll just put on my website but it'll be more of a showcase. It'll be zoomed in of some of the joinery, some of the grain, um, just kind of highlighting the overall completed project, not necessarily a build. But uh, so trying to get, you know, camera dollies and uh, camera crane and all these impressive shots. Well, if I can get them, they'll be impressive. But as of right now, no. But uh, the next thing I'm hoping to work on, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with those Harbor Freight organizers. Um, that's those little, it kind of resemble the Sortimo brand, but I want, I wanted to build a holder for that almost immediately after that cabinet. But, uh, what do you got working on April? Um, not too much. I'm still trying to get caught up on just being away for so long and so long, a little over a week, but, um, I went ahead and did a shop tour this week so that I wouldn't have to just get back from, uh, traveling and then just rush around. So, Cleaned up my shop, which was enjoyable to me. And then, um, yep, shot a shop tour. That'll be out this week. And then next week, I'll go ahead and get started on, I have no idea yet. I try to actually plan out like my next like three or four projects. So I'll sit down, I guess, tomorrow and plan out my next month worth of projects or so. Didn't you just get back from Europe? Yeah, I did. It was, How was that? It was great. It was like 10 days, I believe, uh, about four, maybe five in Germany. It's funny, I don't know, but, um, and then uh, two, I guess three, if you count the, the travel day in London. So yeah, it was a really good time. I got to meet a ton of people, uh, both with like the Triton team, other woodworkers that were flown in to do the demonstration room with me. Um, and then also some other YouTubers and viewers as well. So it was, it was exciting. A lot of chit chatting, a lot of beer and a lot of great food. I really, really love the German food. I'm a kind of a picky eater. I'm not proud of it, but it's true. <laughs> and so I was really nervous about going over to Germany because I was I was just thinking sauerkraut and uh, and potatoes, you know. <laughs> so, but much to my surprise, the German food is delicious. Jay, what are you working on? I've got a dining table that I'm finally, after a year and eight months of no dining table, starting on, and uh, I'm I'm trying to do something a little bit different with the top. So the dining table itself is going to be. Two, maybe, maybe three videos. If I can make each each one of the videos like a standalone, you can get something from it, then it'll be two or three. Uh, definitely two videos. So the first one is the dining table top, which is what I'm working on right now. And I'm going with, for for the top, I'm gonna, I wanna do a breadboard end, but I wanna try something different. So it's gonna be a wedged through mortise and tenon sprung breadboard end. 
if that makes any sense. Very so, cool. So it's 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 a lot of fun to uh, to just try something new and 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 you know what hickory isn't as uh, as daunting as I thought it would be to work with. Hickory is crazy hard and and uh, when when the grain changes, planes just. Ugh, they're horrible uh, when the grain changes and just digs in and tears out and all that stuff. But it's not as bad as I thought it would be. It's it's actually just uh, just a hardwood, you know. Speaking of hardwood, I uh, when I went to the woodworking show in Milwaukee, uh, was it last weekend? I thought it was really funny. They had a, a couple mallets that this gentleman made, and it was made out of ash. And he had a, a branding iron on the side that said "Big Ash Mallet." <laughs> yeah, you've got a picture of that on your um, Instagram page, so check out Nick's yeah. Instagram page if you want to see it. I think that's hilarious. I also like the humongous drill bit. Like, yeah, was that just for like a prop, or was it actually used for something? That was in their like bargain tool section. For those of you that maybe maybe have not gone to one of these woodworking shows before, um, they have pretty much your standard tool vendors and all that good stuff. But then there's kind of a, a clearance tool, import tool area where. Yeah, most of it's kind of like, you know, I don't know if I'd buy much of it, but um, they have a couple little things you can pick through. But yeah, that um, uh, Jeff from Wisconsin Woodworking uh, had showed me that. He's like, come check out this drill bit. And I, I should have measured it, but I think the uh, diameter was like four inch and it was a twist drill bit. So obviously something for like a big milling machine. But yeah, if you guys haven't seen that picture, check it out on my Instagram. Because um, it, it's like the size of a baseball bat. Yeah. It was it so. Was, it, it was literally almost as big as your face in the Instagram photo. It looked hilarious. Yeah, and, that, and that's hard to do with my big head. <laughs> you should have purchased it and just put it up on your shop wall. I didn't even think of that, and I'm like, you know what? Uh, we're going back in in April, so um, I might I might look for that that bit again. I, I would say if it's under thirty bucks, I'd pull the trigger as a, a decorative item for the shop. I agree. It's a good. That thing was pretty. Point. Yeah, Definitely. that thing was pretty heavy too. I would say it was at least 20, maybe, yeah, 20 pounds, maybe. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the woodworking show, it's coming around, was it two weeks away? The next one in Atlanta? Something like that? Less than two yeah. weeks? Yeah. Two or three. I mean, it's real close. Man, I'm getting excited. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody again. And I've been getting tons of comments from viewers saying that they're going to be there. So I'm really looking forward to the, seeing the turnout and getting just to, to meet more people. Yeah. My wife went to the last show in Milwaukee with me and she goes, yeah, this is right up your alley. And she goes, you can't wait for Atlanta, can you? And I said, nope. Sitting here talking shop with people for three days straight. I mean, what could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> well, and then, and then also the, the content creator side of it, you know, talking yep. business and then also talking shop. It's just a good mixture. I agree. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Coming up April 1st, 2nd and 3rd. If you guys are in the Atlanta area, definitely stop out and uh, say hi. Definitely. So Nick, real quick, are you happy with the way your cabinet turned out? I, I am. Um, I'm just not happy with my lack of videography skills. Because, really? Well, yeah. I, you know, uh, I, and I, I appreciate the com- compliments I get from people like saying, hey, my videos are, you know, they look pretty good. But Definitely. I, I only have to shoot like a table saw again and again or um, me talking to the camera. I'm trying to get like movement and uh, dolly mm-hmm. shots and pan shots to really put together a decent showcase video. And I don't know. I, I had my neighbor. He's a professional photographer. I've had him over probably three or four times to answer what are uh, newbie simple questions. Have you thought about maybe upgrading, uh, obviously not right this minute, but upgrading to like a 4K camera? That way you could 
pan and zoom and such in uh, in post without losing detail? That yeah, that's an option I, I've I've considered. I thought it would be really neat to be able to do you know any type of uh, movement shots in 4K and then rendering out to 1080. The only problem that I would have to get a whole new setup. I'd have to get a new computer, and because my computer right now is barely supporting the footage that I edit. But um, that's an option. But I was talking with a photography friend of mine too about there's a natural movement if the camera's actually moving versus doing it in post. Yeah, a discerning eye I think would be able to tell, but most people wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's yeah. That's the only thing that's been bugging me is because I'm a woodworker first, and this YouTube thing second. And yeah, the project's done. It's I think it's gorgeous, um, but just trying to show other people is been my uh, my tricky. pitfall. Yeah, very you tricky. Know, I like how you say that because um, whenever people you know, especially these days, ask me what what I do for a living, I say I'm a woodworker, and then I say that I use YouTube as a platform. So I don't. I hate to say I'm a YouTuber. I mean, I know it's the easiest thing to. I guess clearly get across what what I and we do as a living, but I don't know. Like what you said, we're woodworkers first, and we're just utilizing the YouTube platform. I know what Jay will say for for that question. What will Jay say? Yeah, what Uh, would Jay say? He goes, he goes. I'm a content creator, (laughs) an online content creator. (laughs) That's a good one. That is good. That's right, Jim. (laughs) That's right, Jim. That's funny. That's a little inside (laughs) joke from when Nick was here. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen it, I uh, it'll be on my channel for a while yet, but my Table Saw Sled uh, giveaway uh, winner announcement was kind of over the top and wacky. And uh, yeah, it was. it's only a minute long. You guys kind of see it to believe it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we'll post a link to that in the uh, article for this, this uh, podcast episode, as well as uh, all the Instagram links and Twitter links. Someone else mentioned to uh, put Twitter links down below. So we'll put all those links in the... Um, the article for this podcast episode yeah going back to that yeah it's the woodworking uh, that's been my passion for 20 years so the, the project's done the joinery is nice it's just trying to showcase it and, and i'm also having a little bit of a problem the um the only plywood on it is the drawer bottoms but then also in the uh tongue and groove doors i have dual-sided uh, cherry veneer plywood and of course, that cherry has already aged because it's it's already seen the UV light. Well, everything else on there that's cherry has been planed down recently, so the color doesn't match up a hundred percent. But oddly enough, the camera makes it look ten times worse, and yeah. that's no joke. I've had people over, and they're like, "Hey, I saw your Instagram post, or I saw this," and I'm like, it, "On your Instagram, it looks like a different wood altogether, but in person, there's really no difference." I'm like, "Yeah, I don't." There's like magical gnomes inside my camera messing with it or something. Oh, that's a bummer. I bet that bums you out. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm working on it. I, yeah, I, I just need to move on to another project. This one's done, and I, it's in my head, my motivation, mm-hmm. it's done. I need to move on, so <laughs> got to finish it up. Did we want to take some questions here from a couple of the, the listeners? Sure, let's uh, jump into some questions. Chris H. says, I have a DC DC question, a dust collector question. I have a rigid TS3650 contractor saw. This has an external belt drive motor hanging off the back. Dust collection is horrible. I've tried the dust diaper, I mean cutter bag thingy, but but it was worse than using the equipment port at the blade. 
My dust collector consists of a shop vac and dust deputy. Any suggestions on how to improve dust collection on this saw? Um, my initial thoughts is it's hard for a shop vac to keep up with any table saw. They just don't move that much volume of air. A shop vac is more of a, um, a high pressure, low volume type of suction to where like a table saw really benefits from an actual dust collector, which is low pressure, high volume. So it just moves a ton of air, creates a big draft. Um, I'm not familiar with that model table saw at all, but he said the the motor hangs off the back. Uh, I, I haven't done anything, or I haven't even used any table saws that had the motor hanging off the back. So uh, what about you guys? No, me neither. I would, uh, I agree with what Jay was saying about the, the volume of air. Um, I would try and switch to a dust collector because like even in Jay's case where his uh, miter saw sits, it's not super enclosed. Like it doesn't encroach on the blade, but there's so much volume of air in that area moving to that any dust that does get in that air and that little cubby is eventually sucked into the dust collector. So it's, you know, you can almost visually see the, the particles kind of moving away from the you know main portion of the shop so i would uh, i would second that get a dust collector and and see if that changes it but if it's a motor hanging off the back um yeah, i'm just wondering if any type of like fast cap has that that uh, attachable brush I, I forget what they call it but uh maybe where the belt goes through you can you know try and seal that up as best as possible um creating some sort of cavity to so if you do have any dust collection, you can kind of create like a negative pressure uh, where any of the sawdust is generated. And with the, I mean, you can buy a Harbor Freight. You can get one of the 20%, 25% off coupons. And I mean, if you're, if you're set on staying in the shop and you're just only going to collect more tools, that's going to need dust collection. So it's one of those to where you should just go ahead and bite the bullet if you're going to enter into the hobby and stick with it because it's going to come in handy and useful. Yeah. And then also just general tips on, on table saw dust collection. Uh, the, where the, the handles come out of the cabinet itself of the table saw, well, cabinet box, whatever style uh, table saw you have. Uh, another good way to kind of cover all of those openings is to use uh, large magnet strips. Like I think you can get them in like the stationary section of, of department stores to where you can actually like print your own magnets, like a large eight and a half by 11 piece of magnet. You know, they're just a white, white magnet. And, um, you can use these larger strips of magnets to just non-permanently move as needed and kind of close off those gaps. And then also where the table top meets the cabinet or box of the table saw, you can use, um, swimming pool foam noodles cut those in half and then and then shove them up under there and it'll reduce the amount of airflow but when it comes to table saw dust collection you don't want to completely eliminate airflow you you still want to have the airflow for whether it's a shop vac or a, a dust collector but you just want to have the airflow in the appropriate places like through the insert plate you know the most of it through that area yeah, the uh, magnets, because I was in the sign business for a while, um, we'll leave a link uh, in the article, but uh, it's Magnum Magnets, and they use them in, like, you know, temporary vehicle signage, stuff like that, and yeah, so that's a, that's a good idea. I got that from, uh, I got that tip from, I think it was Ronald Walters on YouTube, another good YouTube channel. We'll post a link to that as well. Oh, I just remembered the name of that fast cap one, it was uh, Sawstash, 
because it you know kind of looks like whiskers mustache yeah um and that's perfect for you know if your your bevel angle or your bevel wheel is going to move or tilt that way it can you know i, I don't know something to look into anyways for for dust collection on that saw okay we have a, another question from brian from minnesota my question is about welding. I think one of you mentioned doing this for a project for the first time. My wife wants some dust that I would have a steel frame and legs. Any info you can share about what you used and what you learned would be great. Are there welding podcasts? I don't, I'm not very familiar or caught up yet on podcasts, but I do know that we have a few YouTube channels that incorporate welding in videos. Uh, Retro Weld is, of course, the first one that comes to mind, but then both of the Duresta's, Matt and Jimmy, and then also Laura uh, Camp has been welding some. Bob Claggett just put out a uh, uh, welding video, made it a wel- made a welding cart slash table, and also uh, David Pachuto has a uh, bronzing aluminum. I think it's what's called, not actual brazing. That's what it's brazing aluminum, not exactly welding. But anyway, as far as getting uh, started in welding. Get a hold of a welder and just practice. A good practice material, you'll see them, I see them all the time, is old bed frames. Those metal adjustable bed frames, you'll see them all the time and next to dumpsters or trash cans or whatever. Snag them, chop them up, and just start practice welding. Just do, you know, just start welding anything to anything uh, <laughs> with just scrap metal and just le- uh, analyze the results and, and uh, see how you can, or change things here and there to see if you can get better at it. But Welding is one of those things where it, it's it has a certain feel to it, so it's it's not going to be just instant. You turn the button on and you start welding amazingly, you know. It has a certain je ne sais quoi. Yeah, that big <laughs> word. I uh, well, it's funny that we were talking about welding because I actually took a trip to Miller Welding's uh, world headquarters because they're about thirty minutes from my house, and I was hoping that I could get to work with them because I, I wanted to show some more welding on my channel as well because I used to be a welder. Um, my, my best advice for beginner welders, don't try and join two pieces. Just get yourself a piece of plate steel and lay a bead. Make sure that that bead can be a consistent depth of penetration, that it can be straight, that it looks nice, and then do it again and again. And I mean a hundred times or more before you even start thinking about joining two pieces. Because once you can get, you know, um, the, the, the weld bead to penetrate deep enough and it's straight enough and it looking good enough. Yeah. Then you can, you know, start to try and join two pieces. Interesting. I didn't know that you used to be a welder, Nick. Yeah. I welded for three years approximately. Yeah. Uh, mostly mild steel. Um, I'm no good at aluminum and I'm not very good at stainless. Hmm. What's it? What's the difference just because it's so soft or? Uh, yeah, it's just a, a different, well, for one, uh, with stainless, it's a different welder altogether. Um, but, uh, it, yeah, it, like Jay said earlier, there's a certain feel for it. Mm-hmm. I think mild steel is probably the most forgiving uh, material to weld because it's, I don't know, it seems like the you know, the metallurgy, the makeup of it is just, it's forgiving versus stainless or aluminum. Aluminum you can burn through super quick. It, it puddles at a much lower temperature. And, you know, I mean, cause there's all sorts of, you know, when a type, type of welding, the easiest is on, um, you know, like a flat surface and you're pulling a weld. But, you know, if you do any type of overhead welding or push welding or uphill welding, you know, there's, there's all sorts of different techniques. And, 
um, you know, sometimes you can't move the workpiece to suit how you want to weld it. So yeah, experience is key. I, that's, I told that to somebody the other day about, you know, just get a piece of plate steel and weld like a hundred beads. And, uh, you know, cause people, if they get to wanting to join two pieces and say like a corner, they want that corner to guide the welding tip. And that's not the case. You're, you're more or less finessing it. Hmm. Well, yeah. Hopefully Miller will get back to me. They kind of pawned me off on their advertising company, and I just kind of, I'm not very optimistic on it, but that's <laughs> what I used to weld with is Miller equipment. So mm. maybe, I'll, maybe I'll call Lincoln too. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple uh, good welding channels. Uh, Chucky 2000, some, Chucky 2007, 2009, something like that. Anyway, we'll post links to that down below. And then also a, uh, was it Welding Tips and Tricks? I think is the name of the channel. Uh, there's a couple of good welding channels we'll link into this in the show notes here and de be sure to, to uh, definitely check those out. And if you start out welding with a cheap or like a dirt cheap welder and you can't get good results, uh, maybe try and talk to a friend, somebody that has a nicer welder because a lot of times those, you know, like stuff from Harbor Freight, if it's like $70 for a welder, chances are you're not going to get good results. But Oh yeah, I used at, at my last job, the, the apartment complex I worked at, uh, I needed a welder to weld together some of the, the uh, balcony railings and such. So they went to Harbor Freight and they got me the cheapest 110 volt welder there was with little stick welder. And I had to use like, it was like three thirty second inch electrodes, itty, itty, itty bitty electrodes to get it to actually weld. And then they're so small that it takes forever. And it's just, it was an absolutely horrible welder. I would not recommend getting these, the, the, bottom bottom of the totem pole harbor freight welders uh that being said just because it's an old or maybe a less expensive welder doesn't mean that it's absolutely junk i learned to weld uh years and years ago this was back in my high school days uh my grandfather had a i don't know what brand it was it was red that's kind of commonly associated with lincoln but it was an old 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 red welder that had like the 15 different plugs on the front of it. That's how you adjusted the temperature setting. You unplugged mm -hmm. it from one and moved it to the next one, you know, and half the case was missing. The wires were probably way more dangerous to use than, than necessary. But, uh, I learned to weld on it. It was this old stick welder and, uh, it did, the, it did the job just fine. So you may be, might be able to find a, a good deal on Craigslist or something for an old welder. All right, moving along to the next one. Anthony Ryan is asking, uh, he's going to build a table saw um, with the, uh, was it Payosin style? Um, I've never seen that. I had to look it up before this, but it, yeah, it's kind of a homemade table saw enclosure uh, and all that. But he said, uh, just wondering what your preferred size of an outfeed table would be. He's got plenty of room to go bigger, um, but uh, he's thinking 200, or I'm sorry, 2400 millimeter by 2400 millimeter, uh, which is approximately eight foot by eight foot. Um, he's wondering if that's going to be overkill. What do you guys think about outfeed table sizes? I'm going to say that's overkill. I've got a four foot by eight foot uh, assembly table slash outfeed table and it's on the big side i've actually debated downsizing from it you know nothing not too much um effort into that thought but it's, it's on the big side I, I couldn't imagine an eight foot by eight foot outfeed table uh you get to a point where if you can't reach uh, you can only reach what like three or maybe maybe four if you really stretch uh, you can't reach that far forward so 
you end up with a lot of wasted space. Now, the way I have mine set up, if I'm at the table saw, then the left-hand side of what is my outfeed slash assembly table is used for outfeed. And if I go to the other side to where uh, I'm looking from the other direction on the table saw, then my left side at that point is kind of like an assembly slash work area. So it's a four foot by eight foot table, but it's divided into two specific uses, I guess, or sections of it. And like I said, it's it's on the large side. I've debated downsizing from it, but uh, nothing to put much effort into. Um, as far as like the perfect amount of outfeed table, that totally depends on your projects though. Cause if you're making smaller stuff, you don't really need that much outfeed, uh, outfeed support. I think Matthias has a Matthias Wendell woodgears.ca has a good kind of small, but useful, uh, wooden outfeed slash side feed on his, on his table saw to really just give it a little bit more room without that dedicated outfeed table uh, in the back. So uh, look around and see what works for other people and maybe incorporate what, uh, what works for them. I, I would think that, uh, yeah, eight foot by eight foot would be overkill um, in almost every application just because you're not, uh, you're not cutting, I don't know. The, typically the largest you're going to cut is four by eight sheets. And even then it becomes a little bit difficult to do with one person because a three quarter inch four by eight sheet is just huge. But uh, my vinyl table, at least I call it my vinyl table, where I do my signs and banners and all that good stuff, uh, that's four by eight. And like Jay was saying, um, trying to reach to the little bit past center um, is, is difficult, but the only reason I have it that big is because when you're laying out banners and stuff, you want to be able to lay uh, a good square footage flat, but I would say anything bigger than four by eight is probably overkill. You could probably even get away with a little bit less. As far as the length of an outfeed table, take the longest piece that you think you'll be cutting, divide it in half and add about four or five inches. That way, once it passes through the blade, more than 50% of that material is still supported and it won't tip down, tip off the backside. So if if you are gonna rip a full four foot by eight foot sheet of plywood along its length, you're gonna, have, you're gonna make an eight foot cut. Make sure from the back of the blade uh, in the direction of the outfeed side is say, instead of 48 inches, which is half of a sheet of plywood, say make it, 52 inches, something like that, 52, 54 inches. And that way, once you pass the material all the way through the cut, yeah, you still have a bunch of it hanging off the backside of the outfeed table, but it's it's less than half, so the whole material is fully supported. It's not gonna fall on you. It's safe to just stop it where it's at, shut the saw down, and then manipulate the material as needed. Either the, well, unless, one of the theater uh, companies that I do work for, they have a, I believe it's 30 inch wide by 96, so a little less than three feet by eight foot outfeed table. Um, and it's almost kind of split by the blade. But one thing I've noticed with that that I really like is uh, if you're working on a particular piece and you cut it on the table saw, it's already on its like own assembly table. So you can then do like drilling operations and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're short on space for sure, uh, you can make it shorter, but I kind of like that. My, I don't think my shop would accommodate a, such a long outfeed table, but it is kind of nice to be able to just make the through cut and then just move on down. You can drill holes or do whatever you have to do. That's what I like about mine. It's 
it's uh, four feet in the direction behind the saw, but it's an actual four foot table that sits behind the saw. So I still have the gap between the table and then the back of the blade. So that's kind of the same size as what I was mentioning a second ago. But like you said, once I'm past the material through, it's on the outfeed table. So I could work on it right there, slash assembly table, and then slide it to the other side if I need to and work on it right there. It's all, it's all kind of, uh, it all kind of works together. And also, kind of getting off topic here, but I have that particular table in the middle of all of my tools. So kind of the same way you have like a work triangle in your kitchen between your, your sink, your, your stove, and your fridge, you've got the same work triangle. I've got the same work triangle in my shop to where it's like the table saw, jointer, uh, miter saw, and then of course my planer, planer on the other side too. So it's, it's kind of like the centerpiece. So all the tools can, all the pieces and, and can interact with one another with the material right in the middle. April, anything to add to outfeed tables? No, cause I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> I use, I, I'm, I've now been using that multi-stand, um, and it works just fine. I'm with you. I can't, I can't cut down a full sheet of plywood. I mean, it's just too large to handle safely. So even if I had, I mean, the idea is very appealing. Like what Jay's setup is, not only is it utilized as an outfit table, but also an assembly table. But um, I'm not, I'm not going to cut down full sheets of plywood, regardless if I have one or not. And I, I feel like I make do just fine. Like I don't have a problem with the way that. Uh, I work either on sitting on the ground if I need a lot of space or on one of the three workbenches that that fold away into the wall. So yeah, I just don't have a, a really good reason right now to build an outfeed table that would take up more space that I'm not willing to give up. Speaking of taking up more space and not willing to get up, you give up, you do have some of the folding tables in your shop. So have you thought about making like a fold away outfeed table similar to, uh, there's one that comes to mind, Laney Shaughnessy did on his channel. A year mm-hmm. or two ago. Yeah, um, I thought about it. But again, I just, I don't, the the way that I kind of handle things, if, if um, I'm motivated to do it once I have a need for it. And right now, I just don't feel like I have a need for it. It would be handy to have um, a bigger assembly table for some things, but it, the need's not big enough for me to actually move on the project yet. So maybe once I build like bigger things or more advanced things, but right now my, my simple setup is like working for me just fine. Speaking of, um, it's not necessarily an outfeed table, but more of an assembly table. A buddy of mine work, owns his own cabinet company and uh, uh, one of our local plywood suppliers actually sells three quarter inch uh, birch plywood uh, at five foot by 10 foot. And he made an assembly table, but the assembly table is only, I want to say, 18 inches tall. So that when he's working on cabinet carcasses, he doesn't necessarily have to bend over to get to the bottom drawer, but he's not necessarily having to be on a step stool to get to the top of it. It's kind of in his, you know, I guess, workflow to be you know, at that height. Because every time I go to his shop, I'm always like, man, these are so cool. I guess I would have never thought of, you know, just making an assembly table that's a foot and a half tall. Um, speaking on kind of how Jay was saying about um, his assembly table being centered around his tools, reminds me of an email that I got uh, earlier this week about a gentleman that was setting up his shop kind of from scratch, and he wanted some advice as far as um, is there something to kind of look out for so he can make as few mistakes as possible. And I think the best that I could come up with was workflow, anywhere from material intake to finishing and uh, shipping. Uh, it should be kind of a, a linear progression, whether it's in the shape of a horseshoe, like I know a lot of times for lean manufacturing, they like these um, 
these pods to where when you start in on one side of the U and then as it goes through the, the U shape, it ends up in the same spot when it's done. But do uh, you guys have anything on uh, a workflow or as far as shop layout organization? Um, yeah. I mean, I can, I can talk about the way that I handle it. Uh, whenever I'm setting up something, I put things that I don't reach for very often uh, along the top of my wall or, if I can, on my ceiling. Um, so things like my paint can, my ladder, a lot of my wood is stored all along the top, and I just use a step stool to access it. And then for the lower portion, um, I like things, I don't like things tucked away in drawers or cabinets where I can't see them. I have a few drawers in some of the stands that I've built just because I was going to have wasted space. Um, but drawers are just a clutter of junk and whatever goes in it, I'm going to forget that I have it. So I might as well just throw it away is what I've learned. So, um, I like to have things like I have a, a, a good amount of pegboard and pegboard is good for some things for um, storing some things, but then the French cleat system. And I think between the pegboard and the French cleat system, um, it, it's a really great solution for a ton of different things to store, but I love to have things open, readily available and accessible to where I can reach, grab and put away. Yeah. As far as workflow goes, this is something that I've, I found as a flaw in my shop, but it's just way too far down the road to where I can't make the change. But if I was in my shop, at the ceiling looking down. I wish my entire shop was rotated 90 degrees counterclockwise. Because if you think about like, as the material comes into the shop, what's the very first tool that you're probably gonna use? And I think that should be, those particular tools should be closest to where the material comes in. So for me, the miter saw, cutting rough materials to length is probably the, the, the thing that I do the most on the first, that's probably my first step most of the time. So I wish my miter saw station was, if when you come through the, the garage door, the large garage door, I wish the miter saw station was on the left. So that way, as soon as it comes in, I can process the, the long stock. Because as it is right now, I have to go all the way through my shop to the opposite side, and then cut it, and then start the whole process uh, as it goes. You know, But that's one thing I thought of, like, man, I really wish I should have, or really wish I would have built the miter saw station just how it is, but on a different wall in my shop. Hmm, that wouldn't have interfered with anything because like the way that I set up my actual tool placement is the table saw came first because I need the most space for the in feed and out feed. You know, I wanted at least um, seven feet or around there to do a, a, a longer sheet if I, if I, or a longer piece. And so the, the table saw was the first thing that I figured out, where does this need to go in order for it to fully work? And then I can start placing my other tools around, around that. So if you were to move your miter saw cabinet, it wouldn't affect your table saw? No. The, the way I have it now, I uh, like you said, I have eight feet in feet, eight feet out feet on the table saw. That was a main concern. That's a main concern with just about all my tools. Uh, I try to take into consideration eight feet in, eight feet out, like my planer, my jointer, uh, miter saw station and all that. But actually, it would be slightly better. It's working right now. Don't get me wrong. But it would be slightly better if the miter saw station was on that other wall and, and the entire shop rotated 90 degrees counterclockwise so that would actually give me about eight inches more in feed and out feed because the way it is right now i actually lose that much because the garage door sticks into the shop just slightly mm -hmm. and it, and it's pretty much a perfect square so if i rotate 90 degrees i i gain that space that the garage door is taking up now that's actually where when i finally find a, a permanent home for my miter saw 
that where you're describing you wish yours would be that's where I'm going to put mine and my thinking behind that was in case I'm ever doing any longer trim work or anything like that I could always open the garage door and then have that material you know to the left of the blade but then also I would keep my table saw exactly where you have yours that way if I'm ripping stuff like a four by eight sheet down uh, that rip cut is parallel then with the miter saw so you can just, if you have to then cut it to quick length, you make your rip cut, and then just slide that piece over onto the miter saw. It's not a bad idea. But yeah. It's just, i got to find a permanent permanent home, because right now where it is, I want my lathe. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, and Jay, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> so didn't you um, you sketch up to, to play around whenever you, uh, oh, you didn't. I thought that you had it sketched out at one point. No, my shop layout is pretty much the only thing. Well, no, I did put it all in SketchUp, but I didn't actually do all the moving around. I just kind of like built it in SketchUp and was like, eh, let's just go out to the shop and move some stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think I have it built and saved somewhere, maybe, but I, I didn't put any effort into actually manipulating it in SketchUp. Oh, okay. I was going to suggest, I mean, that might work out for somebody if they're handy with SketchUp to throw it in the model and then that way you take measurements and move it around without wearing your back out <laughs> and not only that it, it might be handy for some in sketchup but if you're not familiar with sketchup uh go to grizzlytools.com or whatever their website is they have a shop planner uh, mm. program that you can use it's a free program and all of their tools are already uh built into these program to the program where you just click on what you want and, and you can manipulate it based upon your your shop size and of course you can manipulate the tool sizes too so if you don't have like a grizzly table saw whatever your table saw is you can change the dimensions to that particular saw and change things as necessary but on that same note like don't kill yourself over shop layout and all that stuff just just start just get everything where you roughly think you want it because it's going to change you're going to want to oh, move yeah. something as you as you as you get familiar with with your workflow and all that stuff so just get it up and running and start making stuff yeah and also on that note uh make things mobile when you can like if you build a stand for something put casters or like even um on my table saw i ended up buying the mobile base because it's just it's just too convenient to not have things mobile and speaking of uh sketchup i'll i'll post a uh a picture of this in the uh, the article on uh, the woodworkingpodcast.com but um, I did go pretty heavily into SketchUp when I designed the south wall of my shop. Um, it changed slightly but I think it stayed majoritively the same but I'll post a picture of my SketchUp over there because that's uh, it's kind of neat and interesting. I actually even put all the benchtop tools um, some of the tools I had to draw if they weren't available but uh, most of them I was able to find. I just thought it was a neat uh, neat way to give a three-dimensional look to it because yeah the grizzly one is more of an overhead shot as far as like floor space and it's a useful tool but uh yeah I'll, like i said i'll post that picture it's pretty cool all right folks well that wraps up our time for this week uh we just want to remind you that, that there's a couple of different ways you can stay up to date with the podcast and get notified of any uh, new content go to the woodworkingpodcast.com and at the top you'll find three clickable buttons to subscribe on android via rss or on itunes and if you are on itunes leave us a review we, we would very much appreciate it and we thank all of those who have already left a review it, it uh, helps out a lot and thank you as well for the kind words in those reviews but that's it for this week you guys take care and we'll talk to you next time bye everyone see you guys later
All right, we're at 40 minutes. Can we take like a 30-second break? I'm about to pee my pants. Yeah, sure. go ahead. All right, I'll be right back. Do I need to stop recording? No, just leave, no. Just leave it recording. It, it won't take but a minute. Okay. Well, I'm going to go too. If you <laughs> All by myself. <clears throat> All by myself.